The following podcast was produced by Latter Day Radio, originally broadcast on KLO in Salt Lake City, Utah. Welcome to Latter Day Radio here on 1430 KLO World Class Talk. Today we're asking a critical question Is freedom of religion in jeopardy? Let's find out. I'm Martin Tanner, and with me is Greg Gerard. I guess I'm the sidekick. I thought I was the sidekick. No, I'm the I'm the sidekick. You're always kicking me in the side when <laughs> when I bring up something that I can't substantiate. Today's topic is what are we going to talk about today, Martin? Today we're going to follow up on the issue of religious freedom in the in the United States. There are people who think there is just no issue here. Religion has as much freedom now as it ever has. There are people who think we are on the edge of a cliff and religion is losing many, many of its, uh, of its rights. Today we're gonna to talk about that. See if we can provide you with some facts and information so that you will better understand that issue because it is a very, very important one. One which religious people of many, many denominations have concern for. But just as an example, if you followed a little footnote in the news, uh, it was probably last year, the uh, Russian government kicked the Jehovah, Jehovah Witnesses out of the country. I mean, literally. Their, their churches were taken over, their property was confiscated. Jehovah Witnesses have no rights in that country to preach, their, preach the gospel in, from their point of view or even practice it. And uh, LDS missionaries no longer are called missionaries. They're, they're, they're volunteers and they can't go tracting door to door like uh, Martin and I did in uh, Japan and Germany respectively so many years ago. So, uh, but you say, well, that's Russia. What does that have to do with America? And I would submit that uh, what happens in Russia can happen here as well. Let's not be so naive and take our liberties for granted. We live in a bizarre time when, to be very blunt, if you are Muslim, you can say and do practically anything, and it is praised by certain segments of our society. But if you happen to be a Christian, you can't. If you wanted, I'll, I'll give you some examples. Some might say that's extreme. If you are in high school or in college or some university and are invited to write a paper and you write it on Islam and your experience in America as a Muslim, everybody will think that is really neat, cool, and wonderful. If you instead were a Christian and wrote a paper, particularly in high school, but the same things would happen in various colleges and universities, about Jesus or about Christianity or about some other aspect of Christianity in general, you would find that you would either be censured, asked to find another topic, or ridiculed. That's a tragic thing. We are in a time when religion, and particularly Christianity, 
is not well thought of in certain segments of society. And beyond that, beyond that, we have an erosion of our rights as Christians in many, many different areas. And if you need an example, uh, rather than using Russia, let's, let's take root country, where we got our English from, from Great Britain, and see what's happening in London. What do they call it? Lon- Londonistan, where they have a, an Islamic mayor, and people are bending over backwards. Someone was just recently uh, jailed for uh, the very thing that Martin just, just talked about. So let's, let's not take religious freedom for granted. And that's uh, something that my wife and I spent three months in uh, Switzerland for a year ago. We just got back a year ago uh, working with the Kennedy Institute for International Studies. It was actually a mission. We didn't have to wear white shirts or wear badges. In fact, we were not allowed to wear badges. But we spent some time at the UN working on uh, the church's approach to teach human rights around the world, especially in emerging places like Africa or Asia, where uh, the governments don't have uh, a tradition of protecting religious freedom, even though most governments in the country signed on to the Human Rights Declaration of 1948 uh, as a result of something that was uh, actually promulgated and authored by Eleanor Roosevelt which included, obviously, freedom of religion, freedom of speech, freedom of assembly, all of those kinds of things. So uh, I know from my own personal experience that uh, the leadership of the church is very concerned about religious freedom. And Martin, uh, let's tell everybody who we are and why we're here. This is Latter-day Radio on 1430 KLO World Class Talk. And We are continuing our discussion about religious freedom and why it's important. We are in the United States of America when it was founded. The founding fathers, right after the Constitution uh, was, was signed, was enacted, a Bill of Rights was passed. And the very first one had freedom of speech and freedom of religion. The gist of the drafts of the First Amendment, which incidentally was penned by James Madison. Jefferson was uh, off in Europe at the time, which is why he didn't get that task, even though he had more experience. But James Madison and several of his colleagues put together several drafts of the First Amendment. And I've gone back and looked at every one of those drafts, and it is very clear that the intent of the First Amendment was twofold. Number one, the U.S. is not going to have a state-sponsored church, a state-sponsored denomination. Like the Church of England, There will be no Church of England. There will be no Christian Church of the United States. That's the way it is. That didn't mean that certain denominations couldn't have um, more preferential treatment, contrary to current beliefs. It also did not mean that every single denomination had to be treated equally, as is commonly believed today. It meant, number one, there will be no church state, and number two, the federal government will not stop 
religious activities unless they are harmful to somebody um, in, in a physical way. The idea was that thoughts, ideas, expressions of religion should just be tolerated and they were to be freely exercised. So the way the First Amendment, at least the religion clause reads, is Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion nor prohibiting the free exercise thereof. 16 words. If we were to paraphrase that today, in today's language, what we would say is the federal government is not supposed to in any way stop freedom of religion or prohibit its free exercise, and there will not be any church-sponsored denomination. That's it. That's the whole meaning. And Pretty for, simple. It, it seems simple to me, but somehow it's uh, evolved into something different, hasn't it, Martin? It, it has, tragically, especially from the 1960s when Madeline Murray O'Hare, who was an avowed atheist, filed a series of uh, federal lawsuits to stop prayer in school and related lawsuits to stop the Pledge of Allegiance in schools. When those were filed, what happened was that the ability to freely exercise religion was greatly curtailed, and the idea shifted from freedom to exercise religion and having freedom to have religion in schools and in other governmental contexts to be free from religion in those contexts. And the way that happened was, was the Supreme Court, which leaned pretty far to the left, if we call it what it is, decided that they wanted to stop religion in schools, that religion and prayer should be barred from schools. And the way they did that was to try to search for some kind of judicial precedent. They wanted to find a U.S. Supreme Court decision that said, no, church and government must be separated. Religion and government must be separated. They couldn't find it. They couldn't find it. So what they did instead was they took a letter that Thomas Jefferson had written to the Danbury Baptist Association right after the First Amendment was enacted. And the Baptists, at the time the First Amendment was enacted, were prohibited in Virginia from holding public office. And so Jefferson's writing them a letter saying, this is really cool, in effect. The First Amendment's been enacted. We have a constitution. So now you can be involved in government and in governmental activities. In the federal government, there's a wall that stops the government from keeping you from participating as a religious group. Kept them out of the public square before that. Now they can come into the public square. Is that what you're saying? That's exactly right. And that was what Jefferson's wall of separation between church and state men, and that's the context. The U.S. Supreme Court in the 1960s took that phrase from Jefferson and used it for the exact opposite meaning which he intended.
Well, that brings us to the end of this segment, but we're coming back. This is Latter-day Radio here on 1430 KLO World Class Talk. We'll be back after these messages. More faith-affirming podcast content from Latter-day Radio coming your way. Stick around. Welcome back to Latter-day Radio here on 1430 KLO World Class Talk. I'm Greg Gerard, and we have Martin here with his Yerman Thummim laptop with <laughs> everything you ever wanted to know about anything in one laptop. So that's a very valuable laptop you, you have here, Martin. And if you listen to us in our first segment, we were talking, we're going to continue to talk about freedom of religion. And you think, well, we've got that. I go to church on Sunday. What's the big deal? Well, Martin, what is the big deal? The big deal is that we have freedom of religion being eroded in this country. And uh, just, just, just so you know, Greg, I have this laptop insured with Lloyd's of London for $10 million. So well, just, that's probably... Just, I hope that's enough. Yeah, that, yeah, and if and if you believe that, we've got a bridge to sell you. But uh, I, I do have a few things backed up that are on here. So freedom of religion in this country isn't today what it was when this country was first founded. Or even 60, 70 years ago. That's right. right. And people say, oh, God, this separation of church and state, that just sounds... So intuitive to me, that just sounds really smart. Why would we want religion involved in schools and government um, activities of all sorts? Well, the answer is that the founding fathers thought it was important to have religious precepts and values in government. For example... During the time that the Constitution was being debated, uh, we had probably the most famous of all the founding fathers, Benjamin Franklin, say that he wanted every section of the uh, Constitutional Convention to open and close with prayer. That's what he believed was important. So... If one of the founding fathers, Benjamin Franklin, wanted to start each session of the Constitutional Convention with prayer, you see how important he thought it was and that religion should be part of government. Another example, the day the First Amendment was enacted, there was a statute that was also enacted that provides that Congress opens every session and closes every session with a prayer by a paid chaplain, paid by tax dollars. These are not people, the founding fathers, who somehow believe that religion should be out of government. They actually wanted it in government if they wanted prayer during the Constitutional Convention, and ever since then, during every legislative session. Another thing that Franklin wanted was for the Bible to be the text in public schools. If you tell people that today, they think you are certifiably crazy. 
And they come up with reasons like, well, if you teach from the Bible, you have to teach from the Quran. You have to teach from the Bhagavad Gita. You have to teach from all kinds of other things, maybe from the, the Buddhist text. Well, that's not the way the Founding Fathers saw it. There did not have to be absolute equality. There just had to be toleration for any denomination that was out there. As a matter of fact, John Jay, the first Chief Justice of the U.S. Supreme Court, in several of his decisions said that the U.S. is a Christian nation and that we should prefer to elect Christians to political office. You say that today, people think you're nuts. But that's the way this country was founded, and that worked quite well. Another example is George Washington and many presidents since the time of George Washington issued a formal proclamation as President of the United States designating a certain day, which we now call Thanksgiving, as an official public day of prayer unto God and thanksgiving unto God for his many bounteous blessings. God was referenced by most of the early presidents of the United States in their official speeches and declarations. There is nothing in there about football or uh, any other activity. And who would, who would we thank on Thanksgiving except God? That's the question I've always had. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> we, we uh, thank Stanford, Notre Dame, and whichever school you like for their fine football teams. You know, you, 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 can, <laughs> you can do that, but the real Thanksgiving is, is, is to God. And these are issues that have dramatically changed. And the thinking of the populace has been dramatically shifted on this issue. And in fact, if you just joined us, you might ask yourself, well, what, who are these guys and what are they talking about? This is Latter-day Radio here on 1430 World Class Talk, and we're continuing our discussion with Martin Tanner about freedom of religion and why it's important to you today. One of the times in my life when I realized how important this was and what the agenda is of people who are trying to erode religious activities and religious free exercise of religion, in short, was when I had a debate, um, it's been almost 20 years ago now, with the Freedom From Religion Foundation. And they were quite open about the idea that people who believed in religion could go practice it wherever they wanted to, but it could not be out in the public. They didn't want to drive down a street and see a cross on a church. If you want to be inside the church and have a cross, go for it. But you shouldn't be out in the public and be subjected to religion. Hence, according to them, and this was sadly... Uh, prophetic, which is also kind of ironic, they were predicting that the Ten Commandments would be removed from most public places, that 
the nativity scenes on public property, on governmental property, would be prohibited in the future, that government meetings would not be open or closed with the prayer anymore. Why? Because it was offensive to people who were not religious or who had a different religious persuasion. Now, one point needs emphasis here. There is nothing in the First Amendment that talks anything or, say, or says anything about being offended. Just the opposite. The implication was, based on Thomas Jefferson's bill for, for religious freedom, that people should be tolerant. That if you don't like something a denomination believes, fine, just be tolerant. You don't have to believe it, just be tolerant. And that is something that people who are trying to erode religious freedoms do not do. My question is, why are they so intolerant about it? I, I, I can't wrap my mind around the idea of where this uh, resistance, this, uh, this intolerance comes from. Because it's not enough for them to have somebody be tolerant of them. Others have to accept what they believe and perhaps even be forced to act consistent with what they believe. I'll give you an example. Almost everyone is familiar with the famous case that went all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court where a baker who was a Christian would allow anybody to come into his shop and he would sell them a cake. Didn't matter who you are, what you believed, whether you were religious or not, gay, straight, whatever. But he wasn't going to go out of his way and make a special effort to do something that was inconsistent with his religious beliefs. For example, make a wedding cake for a gay wedding. That did not sit well with the political left. It wasn't just they should tolerate his beliefs and maybe get a cake somewhere else. They went to court to force him to make a wedding cake, to force him to act inconsistent with his personal beliefs. And that kind of thing happens all the time on the left. The Freedom From Religion Foundation wanted to force no songs about Jesus in high schools at Christmas, no nativity scenes on public property at Christmas time. They wanted to force those things out. They wanted to force public prayer out of schools. They wanted to force the Pledge of Allegiance out of schools. And they were successful in large degrees in doing that, even though it's inconsistent with the purpose, the very purpose of the First Amendment. The purpose of the First Amendment was to guarantee freedom of religion. And now the First Amendment in many federal court decisions is read to mean a prohibition 
on religious freedom, curtailing religious freedom, especially in the government. And it was also intended or has been used in many of these decisions to stop the free exercise of religion. Sometimes you might think, well, that's far away from here, here in Utah. Of a friend who was serving in a Park City stake presidency when they approached the city council there about building a new stake center. And they got a lot of resistance. Finally, this, the uh, Park City city council says, well, yeah, you can build one. Just build it out of the way so people coming into town won't see it. I was in Park City, Utah. These feelings of intolerance towards people of religion continues even today, even, in, even right here in the great state of Utah. Well, Martin, we've come to the end of the segment here today. We'll be back in a few minutes here on Latter-day Radio. But if you miss anything today or you want to come back and pick up something later, you can always go to our website. For more information, visit latterdayradio.com. We're not done yet. More faith-affirming podcast content on its way. Stay with us. Welcome back. This is Latter-day Radio. I'm Martin Tanner. You're listening to KLO 1430 World Class Talk. Our discussion so far has been about religious freedom in the United States. If you are just joining us, the point of today's program is to show how dramatically, how drastically religious freedom has been eroded. And you might think, well, that's not a problem here in Utah. It's a problem everywhere. Just ask the young man or young woman who wants to give a prayer at commencement. You know, a hook comes out and pulls them off the, off the podium. That's right. And ask somebody who wants to write for their paper in junior high or high school uh, about their own personal hero. Uh, wants to write their paper about Jesus or about some other Christian figure, they won't be allowed to do it. But if you want to write a paper about Muhammad being your hero because you're Muslim, you, you can do that. But if you want to write about Jesus, that's often not allowed, tragically. And, and you don't just have discrimination against religion there. You have specific discrimination against Christian religion there. You say it doesn't happen here? Some people listening will probably remember the name Rachel Bachman, student of West High School. She single-handedly got Christmas songs that actually talk about Christmas removed from the choir agenda at West High School in Salt Lake City. Uh, these kinds of things, removing the nativity scenes, removing Christian songs or things at Christmas that are overtly religious out of the curriculum and out of uh, choral arrangements, with choirs. These kinds of things happen. Removing the Ten Commandments from public places. These are things that would just make the Founding Fathers livid. They would not put up with this. They would 
shake the people who are doing this and the courts that are issuing these decisions and say, what are you thinking? People are so, I don't want to use the term brainwashed, but mm, I will. Uh, yeah, I think brainwashed <laughs> with a capital B would be just fine. Somehow that there ought to be freedom to talk about birth control in the schools and all kinds of different uh, um, sexual predispositions and activities in school without getting too graphic here and about all kinds of different arrangements, marriage, living together, so on and so forth. All of that's fine. But and don't if tell you, them about Brigham Young and the, and the pioneers, right? Or, or anything <clears throat> Christian. And if you don't want that kind of a thing in your classroom, well, you can opt out if you don't want your kid in one of those um, sex ed classes that goes through all those descriptions. You have to opt out and leave. In other words, you're discriminated against and you must leave. On the other hand, if you're involved in anything that deals with Christianity, you're precluded. You can't even talk about it. Talk about these other things that are offensive. Can't talk about religion, which might be offensive to some. And that's why we see charter schools, private schools, home schools, not because the schools themselves uh, lack facilities, but because the people that take their children there feel that, that their children are being brainwashed, perhaps. And the problem is that there are many people who don't have the ability to, to take their children somewhere else. Not everybody has the money to put their children in a private school. And teachers unions and many in the Utah legislature who are lobbied by teachers do not want vouchers. Because heaven forbid, whoops, can't mention heaven there. Heaven forbid. <laughs> People should actually use their taxpayer dollars to get their kid in a school that's not a private, it's not a public school. So these kinds of things are the ways that our religious freedoms have been eroded. There's toleration for all kinds of things that were considered uh, deviant or outside of the social norms 10, 15, 20 years ago, but there is no toleration for traditional things like Christianity that have been part of our Judeo-Christian heritage for thousands of years. Well, I guess the question is, Martin, as we uh, look at the rest of the segment today, what can we do about it? What, as ordinary citizens, whether we're Latter-day Saints or Baptists or whatever your uh, denomination is, what what can we do about it? And in case you just tuned in, you're listening to Latter-day Radio here on 1430 KLO World Class Talk. So, Martin, what suggestions do you have? Number one, do not be ashamed of being Christian or Jewish or whatever your denomination is. Number two, do not believe for a minute that somehow... It is good and appropriate to not have the influence of religious ideas in public schools. How do we have religious freedom if you can talk about 
all kinds of things, practically anything in school, but religion. That sounds like a shift away from freedom of religion to freedom from religion. Don't allow that to happen. Talk out against it. If you have the opportunity, introduce different religious precepts and ideas into school and into the government to the extent you can. And if somebody says, oh, you can't do that, say why? I thought the First Amendment guaranteed freedom to exercise religion. And if they say not in the government, say, well, where does the Constitution say that? Those are the kinds of things that you can do. For me, Greg, the best model for this is Thomas Jefferson's Virginia Bill for Religious Freedom. Absolutely fabulous document. The gist of his bill was that we should have toleration in government, in schools, in the population as a whole for religious free exercise and religious ideas. We don't have that right now. That is what has been eroded away. I'll give you some examples of things that we have lost that hopefully we can bring back. Ten Commandments in public places on government property. Those should never have been taken away. Those should be there. Prayer in schools. Maybe in certain schools where it would be welcome, that's a great idea. Um, maybe not all schools would welcome that, but it shouldn't be prohibited. The Bible is a textbook. Maybe not in every class, but if somebody takes a civics class or a history class, there's no reason that the influence of the Bible, Christianity, uh, Judaism shouldn't be discussed. And believe me, those things are being written out of our students' textbooks. In the 60s and 70s in textbooks, you could find long discussions about the founding of this country and about uh, the First Amendment, religious freedoms, things like that. Today, you'll find maybe a paragraph or two. That's it. It has been written out. Other things that, that people can do. If somebody wants to remove a cross from government property or from off the highways, fight against that kind of a move. Write a letter. Write a letter. And I think it's okay for us as LDS members to stick up for other minority religions with whom we may not agree, for example, the Jehovah Witnesses or a number of other uh, denominations whose rights are, are being attacked by, by someone else. It may have nothing to do with us personally, but we can take a stand for someone else's freedom because in the long run that will benefit us as well. Of course, if, if we stand by while the religious freedom of others is taken away, which has happened, eventually you may lose your religious freedoms 
as well. And, and that would, would be very, very tragic if, if that were to happen. Think about the Declaration of Independence that Jefferson wrote. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men, and that means all people, are created equal and that they are endowed by their Creator. That's referencing God. They are endowed by God with certain unalienable rights. Rights to liberty, to life, to the pursuit of happiness. Some of the earlier drafts talked about the right to hold property and the right to freely exercise your religion. The gist of what Jefferson had in mind in his bill to establish religious freedom, which he introduced in Virginia in 1777, was the idea of toleration. Somebody doesn't like the idea of some of the things that you're suggesting, just say, oh, please just be tolerant. Can't you be tolerant? We're tolerant of so many things. Can't you just be tolerant of Christianity? Is that too much to ask? Is that too much to ask? From the religious denomination that has done so very, very much for our country. Well, we hope you've enjoyed our discussion today on religious freedom. We have uh, more in this area coming up in the future. Send us a note on latterdayradio.com. Let us know how we're doing. We appreciate your time here today. This is Latter-day Radio here on 1430 Calo World Class Talk. This podcast has been produced by Latter-day Radio. Visit latterdayradio.com for more information.